today's competitive job market, people are applying to new positions every day. But if you haven't looked for a job in the last five years, even three years, a lot has changed in the hiring process. There are tips and tricks that you need to know to make sure that you are the person that stands out above the rest. And on this episode of Life Well Learned, we're going to give you those tips and tricks that'll set you apart. Check, check, check. This is. This is. This is. Life. 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 Life well learned. Life well learned. Life well learned. This is Life Well Learned. So there are a lot of things that you need to do when you go to apply for a job. And we're going to get to all of those. I'm telling you, by the end of this episode, you're going to know things that can set you apart from other applicants that are going for the same job that you are. But we have to start where we always start. And that's at the beginning. And at the beginning is who you are. And that is where your personal brand comes in. So that's where we'll start. What is a personal brand? Uh, A personal brand represents... Uh, who you are and what you stand for and what you bring to whatever it is that you're involved with. This is Todd Nicholas. I'm a lead trainer and career counselor here at Career Partners International. I've been working for her for about 15 years now. Todd's job is to help other people get hired. He knows the importance of a personal brand. The personal brand has really become much bigger in the last decade or so. In the past, really, the only people that worried about the personal brand were typically media figures. If you think about your favorite media person, you probably know what they stand for, what kind of products they love. The personal brand defined them and made them marketable. It's who they were and what they represented. And that's the mindset you need to have. People are trying to differentiate themselves further and further from each other. Like, who am I? And I'm just an IT guy. Well, what does that mean? Okay. And, and, and the whole idea of brand has become a very big part. And, you know, I work with folks who are looking for work. And it's no longer good enough to just have a decent resume. You, you need to have a brand. Todd's breaking down what a personal brand means in the hiring process. That's why you should want to hire me. That's why you should want to be interested in me. It's who am I? Not just I'm an IT guy. Well, that's nice. That's a job title. But it's not a brand. A brand is what you can, what you bring to the table and why someone should be interested in you. That is what your brand is. And you want your brand to be consistent. You want to know what you're good at. So step one is knowing your personal brand. And that might make you pause. You might not know what your personal brand is. That's okay. You can find it. At the very least, start with what you want to be known for. What do you want to do? What is something that really drives you? That's the very least thing that you can do is find your passion, because you can't teach passion. And if you have passion, it's gonna give you the drive to wanna learn more, wanna surround yourself with it, wanna put yourself out there, whether it be an article, a podcast, sitting on a panel. Surround yourself with what you're passionate about, and that's gonna help drive your brand. And if you're still having some trouble, there's something else you can do too. You need to ask those around you, because sometimes people have a hard time seeing who they are themselves, but other people see. Uh, what they bring to the table and and what makes them great. The whole underlying message here is find out what you want to be known for and then be known for it. But you have to have the confidence in your own personal brand. Sometimes confidence comes from knowing that you have everything that you need to be the best possible candidate. And we're going to help you with that through this episode. So we've touched on the personal brand and figuring out who you are and how you want to present yourself. Now, how do we display that? 
How do we use that to our advantage in the hiring process? Then you need to create marketing materials. Now you need to market it. Now you need to promote this is who I am. This is the person that I am. And, and you need to continue to nurture whatever that strength is that is the brand you're trying to bring to the table. Uh, and the more experience you have with it, and the more you show it off to more people, the public will then be, begin to recognize that's who you are. Todd's process to market your personal brand reflects the process of finding your personal brand. And that's making sure you're involved outside of a singular job. Sit on panels, go on a podcast, get your name out in the community. But also don't forget that that's not just where your personal brand lives. It's also reflected online and in your social media. And during the hiring process, not all those are created equally. LinkedIn has become incredibly important element of the job search process. Uh, I just had two HR people in here yesterday talking about how they really scour the LinkedIn profiles of everyone that they're going to potentially bring in for interviews. So LinkedIn is just critical. And I strongly recommend too that if you see you're going to be interviewing with someone, you reach out and try to connect with the people you're going to interview with. I get people who come in here and think, I don't want to look up or uh, the person I'm going to be interviewing with on LinkedIn because they'll see I'm stalking them. I'm like, that's not stalking. That's being prepared. They like that. That shows that you're doing your homework. So now we know that having a robust LinkedIn profile is important, but also utilizing it is important. And it's okay if people see that you checked out their profile. But what about when it comes to your other social medias? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram might be more personal. You might have stuff on there from school. Maybe you're just graduating. This is a great reminder for anyone in the hiring process or anyone that has social media. That picture of you having a good time at a tailgate might not be appealing to an HR director. Companies, HR departments, hiring managers, before they make job offers, when they get to finalists, they will research all the social media they can find, every platform they're on on the internet, and look for red flags. So you need to sanitize or make sure there's nothing on Facebook, there's nothing on Twitter, there's nothing anywhere out there that you wouldn't feel comfortable with them knowing. Okay, so now we have a second task. We've figured out our personal brand and we've gone through and our social media is in tip-top shape. We look professional on our LinkedIn and we're ready for the next step. That's the resume. I like to say having a great resume, not just an okay resume, not just a seven out of 10 resume. Uh, in today's world, when they're getting three, four, 500 resumes submitted for a job, a seven out of 10 is never gonna get you anywhere. You need to have a nine or 10 out of 10. I think the first step in trying to figure out how to come up with a 10 out of 10 resume is knowing what employers are looking for in a resume and how they read them. Each company has certain acronyms that they use. Each company has different ways of saying talent management versus training versus mentoring. They're looking for different words. So I may have in there that I'm very good at um, staffing, but it's looking for the term hiring. And I get zero credit for staffing because it's looking for the word hiring, which is really the same as staff. The interesting thing here is Todd's not saying that someone from each company sits down and reads through every resume to see if you pick the right keywords. No, there's software for that now. They basically put in a job description and they're looking for keywords and phrases is what it is. And when you throw your resume in there, it scores it against the, the keywords that it's looking for. Todd says that 80% of submitted resumes don't make it past this software because they don't have the right keywords. 
And that's why it's important to customize a resume for each job you're applying for. We highly recommend uh, that at least you look at the job description that you're bidding on and picking out the words that the keywords that are in there and making sure that those words are in your resume because it will increase the score of your resume. Customized resumes are key to making it pass that software. But Todd says that's still not enough. Now I, I recommend to people they don't just have a resume, they have supplemental resumes. You know, your, your standard corporate resume, but then in addition to that, you put together a one-page modern resume, which in, uh, includes a picture in a, in, a very, in, a, in a primary color that's integrated throughout all your branding, as well as a shortened version of your two-page resume. And then uh, uh, an infographic resume as well, which now includes and, and really takes it away from your standard corporate resume. Now this is something that's much more reflects who you are as a person has a cre more creative side. Uh, it allows them to see beyond the corporate image and to see who you are underneath all of that. What Todd is suggesting is marketing material that plays into your personal brand. But where does that come into play in the hiring process? You'll find that out in Keys to the Next Step, which is one of the most important parts of getting hired. And that's the interview. That's next. So a lot happened in the first half of the podcast. We found out what a personal brand was, how to find it, how to fine tune it, and really how to market it. And we also found out the keys of a resume in the modern job world. Now, the next step is one of the most important steps. No one makes an o a job offer based on a resume. Nobody. It's all on a series of conversations called interviews. When you think of an interview, you probably think of sitting across from one person, them asking what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, maybe your 10-year plan. But over the past few decades, the interview process has changed. About 20 years ago, 80% of interviews were one-on-one -on -one interviews. Okay, So even if you're interviewing three people, I'd spend an hour with one person, then an hour with another person, then an hour with another person. Uh, in today's world, just over half, it happened last year for the first time, just over half of interviews, you'll be interviewing with more than one person at the same time. The implementation of panel interviews, as we call them, has gone up significantly. Uh, so it's not unusual at all today uh, to be interviewing with five people in the room at the same time or 10 people in the room at the same time. Not only that, it's not just supervisors anymore who are involved in the interviewing process. Yes, you'll still probably have to interview with your boss and perhaps your boss's boss. Uh, but in today's world, your peers are going to be one part want to be part of the interviewing process. It's not at all that unusual that people who might work for you would be part of the interviewing process as well. So um, it's become a much more robust process. Todd said in addition to the interview style, testing has become a big part of the process as well. But why all this change? The reason they're involving more people and the reason now that they've implemented testing is companies have figured out how much it costs to hire the wrong person. And once they're there, it's hard to get rid of them. And so they really are increasing the vetting of people. So now you know what you're walking into. You're going to be interviewing with multiple people, probably in a panel style, and you're going to be going through more than one round. So you have to be prepared. We're going to help you with that too. Let's start with some very basic advice. You, you can only hide who you are for so long. And that's what we like to say, be yourself in an interview. This all comes back to confidence and knowing your personal brand. 
but also... You know, when you meet someone, you don't want to try and pretend you're someone you're not to impress them. It's much easier if in the beginning you show them who you truly are and both parties are transparent. The company is transparent about who they are and what the job is and the hours and all of that kind of stuff. And you're transparent about who you are and what you bring to the table. Be genuine. Don't get caught up in a lie of being someone you think they want you to be. This is a big thing. But, of course, we do have a couple of other tips for nailing that interview. One of them is being prepared. I cannot stress strongly enough how practicing interview questions, having the not just a good answer to popular interview questions, but the best answer ready to go to the popular interview questions is really, really, really important. So when practicing these questions, what is something that should be avoided? Have answers that are too short. People always think, I just want my answers to be short and sweet. And yet, you know, 90% of the people who make a mistake in terms of the length of their answer on interviews, the mistake is it's too short 90% of the time. They, It's a missed opportunity. They had so much more chance to expound and give more detail and make me more impressed with whatever it is I'm asking you about. So how do you not fall into the trap of giving short answers? Giving examples is huge. They say, what would your previous supervisor say about you? I say pick three things and all of them positive. One of the mistakes we see people make is they'll say, well, my, pre- my previous supervisor would say that I was really good at meeting deadlines and he'd say, I, I, I got along pretty well with others, but but you know what, he'd probably also say, and I'm like, no, 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 don't volunteer negatives. Don't, if you ask for three things your supervisor would say about you, th- pick three positive things. But it's not good enough to say, my supervisor would say, I met deadlines, my supervisor would say, I got along well with others, and my supervisor would say that uh, I'm very strong technically. Okay, that's nice, but that's not a full answer. You should have an example behind each. The first thing my boss would say about me is I'm really good at meeting deadlines. As part of my last job, I had to basically go through uh, 500 time cards every week, which a lot of manual entries written in, and I had to understand them, all those scrawls and scratches. I had to get them all resolved, and I had to have them into payroll by 3 o'clock. And if I didn't have them into payroll by 3 o'clock, all the paychecks would be late. And employees do not like late paychecks. And I want to tell you, I was in that job for three years, 50 weeks a year. That's 150 weeks. Not once were the paychecks late. My boss would tell me I'm good at meeting deadlines. The mistake that people make is they just don't expound upon it enough. They don't show the successes that they've had, the results that they've achieved. So now we know how to arm ourselves to be prepared for those popular questions. We know how to really present ourselves well. But what about that one question that almost everyone has asked? The one that you probably really are unsure how to answer. And that's... Why are you no longer at your former job? The worst answer ever is they never gave me the official position reason why my position was being eliminated. That is the worst because it's a non-answer. First of all, it makes me look like you're hiding something and you don't want to want to hire someone who's hi- hiding something. And the second reason it's the worst answer ever is it makes you look clueless. Like I had no idea what was going on around me. So you got to answer the question. So I'm going to lay out to you what the best answer is. And it's what I call the negative sandwich. You got to address the negative, but you surround it with two positives. You start your answer with at least three or four compliments about the company that just let you go. They had to have provided you with something other than a paycheck every week. They had to have provided something for you in your career. So you start by thanking them and appreciating what they provided to you. That's to prove that you're not angry. That's to avoid that first landmine of talking negative about your previous employer. That's a trap they're waiting for me to fall into. And then I end it with a positive. Never end it with, and so I lost my job. Again, it makes you look wounded and lonely and and like the puppy who got kicked to the corner. That's not real attractive. So you never end your answer with, and so my position was eliminated. You end with another positive. So in theory, the negative sandwich makes sense, but you still might be struggling with exactly what positive things you're supposed to be saying. So here's Todd with an example of a negative sandwich. You take a look at my resume, you'll see I was a great 
for 15 years. It was a great period of growth for me in my management career. They gave me the opportunity to take on leadership roles in purchasing and operations. And recently they, they helped sponsor my PMP certification and take on a leadership role in the project management office. It was a really an excellent decade and I worked with a lot of good people. But there's actually been several restructurings in the last five years. I made it through the first two restructurings and took on additional responsibility, but recently they lost a key customer, so they made across-the-board management cuts. So my position, along with 18 others, were affected about three months ago. But you know what? After 15 years of I'm really excited about the opportunity of taking some of the best practices I picked up during those years and helping another engineering organization to succeed and to mentor and develop young engineers and to launch new technologies. So when I heard about this opportunity, I was really excited about coming in and finding out more about it. Hopefully Todd's negative sandwich helps you navigate one of the hardest questions that people have to answer in an interview. But answering questions isn't the only key part to having a successful interview. I hear at least once a month from a recruiter or hiring manager the only reason they eliminated a candidate was that some point they said, do you have any questions for us? And the answer was, no, I think I'm good. Or I think you've answered all my questions. That is completely unacceptable and not interested enough. Think of it this way. An interview is kind of like a first date. And if only one person is asking the questions on the first date, and then they ask if you have any questions about them and you say no, how awkward is that? It's the same thing during an interview process. So the next question is, well, what am I supposed to ask? What if they answer all of the questions that I had in my mind? When they ask, do you have any questions for us? Physically pull out a list. They love that. That, that you took time in advance to, to think about it and write down some questions. You're not just doing it off the top of your head. So I make a, I say to bring a list of 10 questions with you. Uh, I think 10 is probably too many to ask. You don't want to ask as many as they ask you necessarily. Uh, but I usually pick out four or five. And I bring 10 just in case some have already been answered. So I ask four or five questions from a list that I pull out when they say, do you have any questions? And really want to impress them? Take notes on their answers. 90% of interviewers write down something the candidate says. Only 10% of the candidates ever write down anything the interviewer says. It's a date. You're supposed to be doing the same things. And they love the fact you care enough about what they say that you're writing it down. It will also help you to be able to remember what some of the conversation was after the interview's over. Okay, let's do a quick recap of the interview process. Be confident in who you are and what your personal brand is, and be genuine in the interview. Don't give short answers. Make sure you come armed with examples. And when faced with the question of why you're not at your former job, use that negative sandwich. And also make sure you come with prepared questions for the interviewer so it shows that you have interest in them as well. But there's something else you can do. Remember those supplemental resumes that Todd was talking about earlier? This is where they come into play. Prepare a leave behind for each of the people you're going to be interviewing with. Uh, and in that leave behind, you have these marketing materials. You have your resume and your infographic resume. And, and you have in there a list of references. And you have in there a cover letter. And you have in there letters of recommendation. And you have in there maybe examples of your work and a business card. All of these things that most candidates don't even think about doing. And it's the person who does, it surprises me, who's the person who gets noticed. All of these marketing materials, they're helping reinforce your personal brand. They all have that consistent color and that consistent message of who you are. These things matter. And another thing you should be doing? Within an hour of the time you leave the facility, not go home, go shopping, do it later. Within an hour of the time you leave, I mean, go across the street to Tim Horton, open up your laptop, shoot off a quick email to everyone that you interviewed with, thanking, giving them a quick thank you for taking time to talk to you. Okay, You want to surprise them with how quickly, like 
oh my God, I already got an email from him. It shows response time. It shows sense of urgency. So they say within an hour, surprise them. Then when you get home, now you can have your glass of scotch. And now you can sit down and write out your thank you cards to exactly the same people. And this time you expound upon it a little longer. Maybe you mention a, a thing or two that came up in the conversation. And then write out four, five, six sentences thanking them again for taking the time uh, to meet with you. And then drop them in the mail the next day so that a few days later they get another reminder about you. So now that we know how to excel at the interview, there's one other thing that you should be doing this entire time. And it's the next thing that we're going to talk about. It's called networking. We talk about the fact that about 60% of people who come through our place and get a job somewhere, 60% of them, the main reason they got that job was through networking. One of the other interesting statistics is around half the jobs that are filled in Western New York every year are never posted anywhere at any time. And that just shows the importance of networking. So letting people know that you're looking for a job, what your skill set is, your personal brand, that's important. And it's not just the people that can hire you, it's people in your entire network. People that maybe you go to church with, or you volunteer with, or your next door neighbors. You never know where that network's going to come into play. And another key thing to do while you're actively applying for jobs? The worst day you can spend in a job search is a day you spend at home alone on a computer in your study. You know, if you're going to do your computer work, do it in a Tim Horton. Do it in a different Tim Horton every week. You're going to run into people, and I say different one because people generally tend to go to the same ones. So if you go to different Tim Horton every week and spend two hours with your laptop, you're going to run into people and your network's going to grow. And see someone you hadn't seen in seven years and then start talking. Um, so Or do it in the cafe section at Wegmans. But never do it at home alone. Hopefully now you feel better equipped heading into the hiring process. You know what needs to be done to make yourself the best candidate for the job. But there's also something else to remember in all of this, and it comes back to you. The area where a lot of people fall down is they start their job search with, who will hire me? And that's just completely the wrong direction. Todd uses another dating type analogy. This time, the scene is set in high school and prom. You don't talk to your friends about who will go with you. You talk to your friends about who do I want to go to the prom with, and the analogy in the job search is who do I want to work for. Until you know the companies you want to work for, you can't go talk to them. You can't go over to their locker and talk to them. That's the analogy. But once I know that, you know, if I could park my car anywhere and work for any company, this is the company I want to work for. Now I can come up with a plan to try and go get that job. I don't wait till they post a job and send in my resume and compete against 300 other people because half the jobs that are filled in Western New York are never posted. So I want that get on their radar. I want them to know about me before they post the job, not after they post the job. So through this whole process, we've kind of circled back to your personal brand and knowing who you are and having the confidence. And that can be hard, especially if you've just lost a job. When people lose their job, grief is certainly an element of this. And it causes self-doubt, doubting their self-worth, doubting what they're really worth if they last company didn't value them. They let them go. But you have to have that confidence. We say don't go out and interview till you've left that behind. Until you've gotten over that stage of grief where you're angry or you're sad or you're desperate, until that's passed, you don't go out and interview because they want to hire you on a date, right? You don't want to date someone who's angry or bitter or still hung up on what their ex did to them or desperate or lonely. Okay? You want to date someone who's funny and interesting and self-confident, and that's who they want to hire. No one wants to hire a desperate person. No one wants to hire an angry, bitter person. They want to hire someone who's self-confident, ready to go, and excited about working for me. Everything that Todd is saying is why it's so important to find out who you are and what your personal brand is. You have to start somewhere, and that somewhere is, what is my brand? Basically, if you dig down to why you started this career and you find your passion, you're going to want to learn more. You're going to want to be more. 
you're going to want to get out there and let people know who you are because you're excited to talk about it. Finding yourself in your personal brand kind of sets this whole thing off. If you know who you are, who you want to be, and you're genuine in your delivery of it, whether it's material or in the interview, you're already ahead of the game. To read more about the personal brand and our expert, Todd Nicholas, visit lifewelllearn.org. And if you haven't done it yet, make sure you're subscribing and rating us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be helping us grow our network. Life Will Learn is presented by the Madai College Alumni Association. I'm Liz Mantel, and we'll see you next time.